0: welcome back everyone to another episode of the call it a comeback sports podcast my name is bobby mcinnis alongside my roommate as always thomas splone tom how you doing today
1: i'm doing pretty good bob i'm really excited because uh today we got a special guest joining us and uh he's the founder of uh, empire sports media a writer uh for the sports illustrated and he's one of the best at uh, covering new york sports i uh, introduce you guys to alex wilson alex how you doing today
2: Pretty good, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on, and I appreciate one of the best New York sports content creators, man. That's a, that's a new one for me. I really, really appreciate the kind words, you know, working really hard just like you guys to uh, kind of make a, a footprint in, in this space. It's a really busy and crowded area, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of beat writers, but not a lot of content creators that, you know, kind of cover all the teams and units. And So I try to bring different perspectives and, whatnot and engagement to the community. So I appreciate you guys, you know, being involved in that. And I'm excited to talk to you.
0: Yeah, of course, Alex. Thank you uh, again for coming on. And uh, first off, I just want to ask you a little bit about your career. Obviously, um, you're very young, and I just, I'm curious, how long have you been doing this for?
2: So I started a website, really, in in college. I went to St. John's University, and one of my classes, sports communication, actually, like, required us to build a blog. So at first I built it, you know, I wasn't really much of a content creator. I didn't know anything about it yet, and I was just learning the ropes of building a website I was using Wix at the time and then eventually I transitioned everything over to WordPress and created Empire Sports Media and I've been doing that for about four, three and a half years now. So just building, you know, a platform that's kind of multifaceted with written content, audio, visual, and trying to bring it all together so that people can come to one place and experience all that news and cover it and with a hyper focused kind of mentality where you can get the rumors, the actual, you know, injury reports and news and um, audio and visual and kind of building a community space where everyone's involved and can engage and discuss their team. So I think that's been a, uh, kind of a priority of mine so that people have all the information. They don't need to go to a million different places, but also something that's entertaining and engaging. And that's really what I've been uh, focusing on the past couple of years.
0: Yeah, Alex, that's awesome. So, wow. So what started off as almost like a class project uh, turned into something much bigger than you probably ever imagined. So how did it, what did it take to get Empire Sports Media to where it is today?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. Um, you know, it really just boils down to consistency and knowing that you always have things to learn, right? Cause it's a, this is a space where, you know, you have to learn how to find your voice. Like you guys are doing right now, like podcasting and figuring out like, how can I speak to people? How can I express my opinions in a, a logical and coherent manner? That's really, really important for developing your skill set for the future. And I kind of just use trial by error and just a lot of consistency every day. I would write anywhere from three to six, seven articles to just refine my skills. I can do it really quickly now and cover breaking news. Um, you know, expand that skill set into longer form pieces or analytical pieces. Um, you know, recording visual stuff and making a cool background and what do people want to see? What kind of content do people want to, you know, engage with on social media? All these things take a lot of trial and error and it just takes consistency really. Um, that's really anything in life. You know, it's just, if you don't, if you, if you do something for a month or a couple of weeks and then you give up, you're never really going to perfect it. in, in my um, perspective and opinion, the best way to do that is just be consistent, learn from other people, ask other people questions, know that you're always, you're never the smartest in the room. I think that's the most important thing is that you go into a space, even if it's content creator space, you're talking to other uh, beat writers, you're talking to you know, YouTubers, they know a lot more than you, or if you know more than them, they know something that you don't. So you can always gain and have mutual benefit, um, and I think that's an important part of growth and learning, and that's kind of what I've tried to um, adopt as, as a primary kind of catalyst behind the growth of Empire Sports Media. Um, and I think that's something that like you guys could definitely, you know, take away from this is just consistency, continuity, and always know that there's more skills to gain, whether it's, um, you know, Photoshop or developing YouTube videos on iMovie or, you know, Final Cut Pro. There's so many skills that you can develop that will eventually, you know, if you go to get a full-time job, um, you have experience in social media, all these different things are going to be like, so what can you do? And you like, I have all these different skills. People will be jumping at you to, to give you uh, work.
1: Yeah, Alex, that's that's a great point there. And you mentioned a, a lot of hard work, and anyone who follows you on Twitter knows you're you're a very hard worker. I always see you posting uh, new articles on Empire Sports Media, whether it's about the uh, the Giants or or the Knicks or even the Yankees. So yeah, that's that's really good to know. I just want to ask you, uh, where do you see yourself uh, ten years from now?
2: Oof, ten years from now. I mean, that's uh, I think about that every day. <laughs> but also, um, you know, it's interesting because when you're talking about ten years from now, I try to focus on like you know, what my what is my big goal? Like, what do I really want? at the end of this, but also how do I get there? Cause a lot of people say, you know, I want to be a millionaire. I want to, you know, one day sell my business for millions of dollars, which um, I would love to do one day. But of course the best part of it, I don't know if you guys know Gary Vee, um, yep. but he, you know, the one thing that I took away from him and like really something he taught me was that you gotta love the process, right? The best part of the whole journey should not be the end. It should be the process, the in between, the growing, the learning, the mistakes, and the and everything that uh, leads up to that one you know time in the future where you can sell your business or you know something big happens or whatever it might be that your goal is. Um, and I think that's kind of like what I focused on is just you know perfecting the process, enjoying that process. So in ten years from now, um, I'd love to have some sort of like you know basically ESM on steroids, just like a huge conglomerate where everyone can enjoy the New York sports content in multiple different ways. And like we have really great people and exclusive content and just great personalities that people love. That's really what I'm going for.
0: Yeah. I look forward to seeing, you know, where you take this thing. And uh, obviously you mentioned Gary Vee. He's one of the best, um, not only businessmen, but inspirational, and motivational speaker, and you know him being a Jets fan, I see him pop up on my page all the time. I'm the Jets fan in the room. Tom uh, represents the <laughs> Giants. Um, that takes me to my next question. What are your thoughts on the Giants' season so far?
2: My thoughts on the Giants' season. Well, ever since I've started covering the Giants, they've sucked. And I'd say I'm not, I'd say I'm bad luck, but they sucked before that too. So it's not like <laughs> uh, I just joined and it. it was terrible. But it's been tough, man. Like covering this team. Where year in and year out, it's just bad thing after bad thing and injuries. And Dave Gettleman making ridiculous decisions. You know, it it just ranges beyond, um, you know, everything. But the Giants season thus far is just littered with injuries. I think that if the offensive line was completely healthy, um, you know, this would be, you know, Saquon Barkley was healthy, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius, Tony, all healthy. I think we're having a different conversation right now. We might be 6-3, and three, you know, 7-2. Uh, and two. But right now, I'd say something's going on with MetLife's turf. Someone's going on with the training staff. I don't know what it is with the injuries, but it feels like this happens every year to us. And eventually, they got to figure out what's going on and stop, you know, bringing in injury-prone players or fix their turf. It's something. There's a catalyst behind this, and I can't figure it out.
1: Yeah, Alex, um, giant fan, obviously here. It's just so frustrating because you know going into this season, you, you looked at our offseason. Uh, Gettleman signed uh, Kenny Do- Galladay to a big deal, and uh, we were all thinking, "Wow, we, we got our wide receiver one now. That's that's huge target for Jones." Uh, we signed a Dory Jackson, who's who bolsters the secondary in, in an already loaded secondary, and then uh, you you draft Kadarius Tony, who looked like a really flashy playmaker out of Florida, um, and we're sitting here in week what is this week week eleven it's about to be, and and, and we're three and six, and I, and it just doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? And, and and just like you said, with those injuries, it's killer. And uh, Jones really hasn't seen all of his weapons on the field at the same time a lot in his career, and, and it's really frustrating. Yeah,
2: no, absolutely. I mean, I just did uh, a little research yesterday, and I found out something really interesting. Um, you might have seen the tweet, but you know, when they have Andrew Thomas on the field, Daniel Jones is throwing 285 passing yards per game. And when Andrew Thomas isn't on the field, he's throwing 158. So talk about yeah. a big difference. That's a 50% Slash in production in the passing game. And that's just a pretty clear indication that the offensive line is not good. Andrew Thomas was holding them above water for the majority of the season when he was available. And luckily, the Giants managed to win two of their last three games thanks to the defense finally simplifying things and, you know, X uh, really showing up and the outside linebackers, Ojalari and Roche, having some big contests there. But I think we should have beat the freaking Chiefs. Like, we should have beaten the Chiefs and we should be sitting here at what? Uh, what are we, 6 and 3? So, uh, Oh, sorry, three and six. We'd so be four yeah. and five. So it would be a different, a totally different scenario right now. Um, we'd be having a different conversation, and we might be a little bit more ingrained in the wild card race, but instead we're, we're praying that we beat the Bucks, and they, their injured players stay injured, basically.
0: Yeah, that Andrew Thomas stat that you bring up is pretty impressive. Uh, me being a Jets fan, I've made it almost my purpose every morning to tell Tom how much better Makai Becton is than Andrew Thomas. But I do have to say uh, I've been – Pretty impressed with him this season. And uh, obviously, uh, when you don't have your your best lineman up front, it's going to be tough for Jones. And uh, a lot of people are blaming Daniel Jones. Obviously, he started the season pretty well, I thought. Uh, But now, some Giants fans that I know are calling for a new quarterback in the offseason. What are your thoughts on the future for Daniel Jones?
2: So, Daniel Jones is like the most interesting player in the world because (laughs) three years have gone by and we haven't given him anything to work with. And, And I really hate that Gettleman spent this sixth round pick – or rather, six-overall pick on DJ and then built one of the worst offensive lines back-to-back in football. I know the injuries you know, played a big part in that, so I give him a little bit of uh, leeway there. But Daniel Jones, man, I mean, he's got the tangible traits, right? The guy's got a good arm. If you watched the game last uh, – the, the Lions game last week against Pittsburgh and you saw Jared Goff completely underthrow like a wide-open Cleef Raymond, and I'm, I'm thinking in my head – DJ hits that 10 out of 10 times. We've seen him do it this year, like, multiple occasions. So I think DJ's got the arm. He's got the legs. He can run. He can throw on the run. I've seen it happen myself. You know, last year against Baltimore, he had a nasty um, across his body throwing on the run to Dante Pettis that was running, like, a secondary route. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've seen him do all the things you want to see from a good quarterback. The problem is, like I said, when you don't have your left tackle, you know, when Saquon's out, when all your receivers are injured, Kenny Galladay, Aries Tony, all being used as more or less decoys, and you're working with reserves. I mean, how are we supposed to properly evaluate him? And people bring up the argument to me all the time. Um, you know, he just doesn't elevate a team. He doesn't really bring that team to the next level. He can't carry an offense. And I'm like, you look at any, any star uh, quarterback in the league, any Hall of Fame quarterback, you look at Russell Wilson, you look at any of these guys. Russell Wilson, he's, he, I mean, of course, he's amazing, but he also has some really bad games. Like last year against the Giants, you know, he has DK Metcalf. Like he has healthy weapons to use. Imagine putting him behind an offensive line like the Giants and then take all of his weapons away. No DK Metcalf, no, you know, and none of these guys. Like there's no real comparison to make with Daniel Jones. That's why it's so hard to properly evaluate him. People make this argument, but it really doesn't make any sense to me because there's nobody you can compare to him in the NFL with this type, with this lack of protection and this lack of weaponry.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, Alex. Uh, being a Jets fan, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Sam Darnold situation, if you will. So you got a quarterback where it's been kind of hard to properly evaluate him, and you get to that spot where uh, it's the end of his third year, and obviously, you know, going into that fourth year fifth, or fifth year, if they, you know, take the option, you start to look at uh, a contract extension. So with the Jets, I think a lot of fans would admit that Sam really wasn't the problem, but it just made more sense economically to go with um, the younger quarterback in Zach Wilson, who's on a rookie contract. Do you see the Giants falling into this trap here, or do you think they might be able to turn it around quick enough um, and get the right guys around Daniel?
2: Um, personally, I think that you physically can't get rid of Daniel right now unless you're going to make this monster deal for like an Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson who are like going to be hitting free agency and whatnot. But when it comes to DJ – um, there's no quarterback in this draft class that says to me, it's worth doing it. You know what I mean? Like Matt Corral is having a decent year, but I still don't think he's the like going to be an elite NFL quarterback. I love Malik Willis, but he needs to sit a year behind a quarterback and the Giants can't afford to sit up, sit him behind Daniel Jones while they need to be maximizing Daniel Jones and trying to find, if, find out if he's a franchise quarterback or not. Um, they just can't afford to waste a first round pick on Malik Willis. I think Denver will draft Malik Willis and he'll start right away and they'll give him some weapons and he'll be good to go. And he'll, he'll have a, pretty rocky first year, but then he'll come out and say his second year like Lamar Jackson and be like awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, when it comes to Daniel Jones, I think he has one more year left. I think he's going to be with the Giants 2022. They're going to try and continue to build around him that we're going to have a new GM. Joe Judge will stay. Jason Garrett will leave. Patrick Graham will stay. And, J- and uh, Joe Judge will hire with a new GM, will hire a new offensive coordinator. Um, and then ownership will basically tell that GM, you got to stick it out. you got to stick it out with Joe Judge one more year. If you guys fail he's the he's the scapegoat right. this is how it's going with the giants though right it's like every other year every year it's like there's another person that they're under the bus it's yeah. like first it's pat Shermer, you know james betcher and then it's you know um you know it's obviously jerry reese at one point and then now it's dave gettleman next year it will be joe judge if they fail like there's just another person to get thrown under the bus every year so i think that the gm will have to come in knowing you got to spend one year to try and fix this team and then you can overhaul the whole thing and, and reset like if you want to
0: yeah, I think that's a pretty good take. The only thing is this year uh, in the upcoming draft, the Giants, as we all know, hold the Chicago Bears' first-round pick, um, and a lot of times when you have two picks in the first round, that's not only draft capital move up, but you're also in a good position to draft a quarterback. Um, maybe perhaps the Giants trade down. Is there any way, should they look to accumulate more picks, I guess, for that next year uh, after Jones' fourth year, almost like an emergency in case he isn't the player you think he is?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's – I was just thinking about that a couple of days ago. I was looking at Tyler Lindebaum out of Iowa, and I was thinking to myself, that guy could be an elite center or interior lineman um, for the Giants if they want to go that route because Will Hernandez is also hitting free agency too, so you got to keep that in mind. Um, I think that they should go personally tackle and pass rusher, but um, if they do want to go back-to-back offensive lineman or they see Lindebaum, he's dropping, or they see somebody they really like who's dropping, might be in the middle round, you say, okay, the Giants have two top ten picks theoretically um let's trade back one of them we can still get a really great offensive lineman or a solid pass rusher there's a couple of good ones we'll be doing obviously evaluations later on but i don't have all the names off the top of my head um and you easily could get some more draft capital and move down the line with that i think that i think if you have a top 10 pick it's always worth it to draft to trade back and um get another first round pick for the future it's always worth doing so and i think that the giants would be foolish not to, even, not to consider it, but a new GM they're going to bring in somebody, he's going to be younger, he's going to have a modernized approach, and I guarantee that option will be on the table.
1: Yeah, Alex, I, I definitely agree. Uh, just to touch on the a draft, like you said, uh, edge rusher, um, obviously we know Thibodeau is the consensus number one right now across the board, yeah. but um, let's say a guy like, I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with Hutchinson out of Michigan, mm-hmm. um, let's yep, say a guy like that's on the board when the Giants are up, would you, would you want to snag him?
2: Absolutely. That guy <laughs> yeah. is like that guy is like uh, he's as close to being related to the Watts I've ever seen. Yeah. Like that guy is a stud.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And uh, you you talked about Garrett uh, leaving. How how do you th- how do you think uh, Gettleman's gonna? What do you think Gettleman's gonna do? That do you think he's definitely gonna be gone, or do you think uh, they they keep yeah. uh, Garrett?
2: I think that both Gettleman and Garrett are gone. Personally, I think Gettleman's time has just run out. I think that mm-hmm. the Giants will let him retire. Right they're not going to throw him under the bus like that because he's really good friends with John matter at this point. Um, They'll let him retire. They'll say, you can leave amicably. We're not going to, we're not going to fire you and stain your legacy. Although, you know, we'll always remember this. (laughs) And then um, so they'll let him retire. And then Jason Garrett, who I never, I don't ever think was a Joe judge selection. Um, In fact, I'm pretty sure that he never was up to Joe judge for the offensive coordinator position. I think that they were like, you can get your own DC, but Mara also was a really uh, close with Garrett since he played for the Giants a while back. Um, you know, he's been involved with the organization before. So I think Garrett's gone. Joe Judge is able to uh, you know, pick his own offensive coordinator. One name that I really like, who I think could be an OC in the future, is Ruff Calloway. Our, uh, you know, he's an offensive analyst at this point with the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, not much experience at the pro level, but he's really, really uh, refined in the air Corial system, like the air raid system. And, you know, he, he was with Samford and he set records uh, with them. So, you know, he's a guy I'd keep my eye on as a potential solution down the line. I don't think he's ready just yet, but I really like him. Um, At LSU, Ed Orgeron called him their secret ingredient a while back. So I like him a lot, but a new OC, there's a lot of young guys. They're going to have to try and find one to, to, you know, fill Jason Garrett's spot but at this point in time I just don't think Garrett's red zone calling specifically as red zone calling is so bad that I just don't think they can justify keeping him.
1: I agree I mean yeah how bad has his play calling been this season I mean you just look it's just so it seems so outdated almost and it obviously has not worked for the, uh, the giant offense this season.
2: Oh, not at all. I mean, his red zone, the Giants ranked last in red zone efficiency, 44% of their drives end in touchdowns, which is the worst in the league behind Detroit behind every crappy team out there. Yep. He manages to put together even worse schemes like the, the goal line fade makes me cringe The the three consecutive halfback dives on the one and it just gets stuffed every time like yes. Let's run it behind Billy frickin' Price, who literally, <laughs> I, I think, may be blind. I'm not totally sure. <laughs> yet, but he may be blind. So, you know, watching him do these things, and I'm, you know, we're like, you know, Twitter GMs of the world are like, yo, like, we could do better than you at this point. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, no, no you're right. But uh, moving on, uh, what do you think the giant game plan should be going into Monday night uh, in Tampa to face Brady? And uh, after you give our, your game plan, what do you th- what's your uh, prediction?
2: Um, that's a good question. I was just recording with Anthony talking about um, You know the game plan against the Bucks and I think we're gonna see it really depends on Andrew Thomas playing or not So do you want me to do you want me to give like if Andrew Thomas does play? Yeah If if,
1: if, if everyone's gonna be healthy uh, Barkley uh, got Tony Thomas everyone
2: Okay, so At if everyone's fact. healthy. I expect them to really attack their cornerbacks, right? There should mm-hmm. be a, They'll be an established they're gonna try and establish the run They don't have Vita Vea and that's gonna be a big loss for them. So They'll try and establish the run. They're going to take some deep shots. I mean, if John Ross is playing, um, you know, if he's healthy, and Darius Flayton, of course, they're going to try and take advantage of those bad, uh, that bad secondary. Antoine Winfield's good, but their cornerbacks are just so bad. Right now, you've got to take advantage, try and beat them deep. Um, if Andrew Thomas is playing, you know, just Daniel Jones will have another second and a half in the pocket to, get his, to let his guys get downfield. Mm-hmm. Get Kadarius Tony some bubble screens. Um, let him operate in the short portions, too. Just get him the ball in space and let him work. That's basically what, all you need to do with him. Um, in, the, in the deep crossers, dagger routes with Kenny Galladay, I see them. If everyone's healthy, really kind of opening up the playbook. We're going to see a very similar game plan to what the Giants did against the Saints. If um, if everybody is healthy,
1: yeah, I agree with that. That's uh, that would be really fun to see because that, that Giant against the Saints game was was a lot of fun for uh, Giants fans to see what, when all these weapons are on the field, what they can do.
2: Absolutely, and my prediction, probably I guess my score. I mean i have to I have to say they're going to win um, oh, I yeah. guess I'll go the, <laughs> I have to say they're going to win i I've, I've been trying the reverse jinx lately and it, it yeah. hasn't worked so well, so yeah it's tough I guess i'll go I'll go with twenty seven twenty four Graham Gano hits a game winner. All
1: right I mean that'd please me.
0: All right, now let's hear your realistic prediction
2: ah. <laughs> uh, um I guess if I give both sides of it I can kind of cancel out the jinx. So <laughs> I guess I'll go with uh the Bucks will win this one. I mean Brady without A B and Gronk. I would say twenty seven seventeen. Okay. Bucks. Yeah, so, I
1: mean sorry to catch you off, Bob, real quick, but uh we saw it last year at at a MetLife. Um I mean, Brady just just struggles against the Giants career-wise. I don't know if it's a mental thing or what, but uh, the Giants really should have won that game last year, and uh, they kind of gave it away at the end. But Bucks were double-digit uh, favorites just like they are on Monday. I mean, this pac uh, Packram defense, I think, will definitely keep the Giants in the game. I'm not going to say that this is an obvious Bucks win. I mean, the Bucks are definitely going to be favored to win, but I think the Giants could shock people and, and maybe pull off up an upset.
2: Yeah, man, uh, hopefully nice enough, I mean, they're not doing so well. Two Two consecutive losses for Brady. He's he's gonna be mad. I just can't wait to see yeah. Eli you know, talk to smack about him on the on the Manning cast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be tough on the road there, uh, in Tampa. But hey, maybe the Giants pull it out. If they do, I guess they would have an outside shot at, at maybe a wild card spot. But I know the, the schedule for them is still pretty tough down the road, having to play Dallas, uh, and like the Chargers it. as well. Yeah, it's it's gonna be tough.
2: Really tough. I mean, they got a tough I mean, you gotta play Dallas again, you gotta play the Eagles twice, and the Eagles are always a tough game for us. Um, yeah. you know we're still we're still in the doghouse guys <laughs> we're, I'm still like holding out a sliver of hope just because like I want to enjoy the rest of the season yeah. but as a, if I was a fan of any other team I'd look at the Giants and be like you guys are so screwed
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's just really frustrating because you know, we watched early in the season and uh you saw that Washington game slip away on the offsides call on the uh, game winner and then you saw the Atlanta game that we just had sole possession of with with 2 minutes left uh blown. You you look at those two two games and and if those turn out uh in your favor, you you know you're sitting here over 500 instead of 3 games under, you know what I mean? So it's just those tough games that yeah. you give away. It's you know, that's why they're not a playoff team, quote unquote.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they they have a long way they have to get healthy they need to uh, you know their defense is still missing a really a really big edge rusher we need to draft one if we get Aiden mm-hmm. Hutchinson and we get a good offensive lineman offensive tackle preferably to replace the turnstile we have at right tackle currently I would really be happy about that
1: <laughs> yeah we're definitely still still lacking an edge a little bit but how about uh, a this season I mean he's definitely shocking some people right
2: Oh, I, I love that kid. I mean, he's 21. The guy, can, the guy just yeah. started drinking alcohol. Like, unbelievable. <laughs> it's crazy. The guy's so young. He's, he's, I know, that's what I'm saying. He's, he's going to be a really good player. Like, this experience this year, the next offseason, you know, I actually think he'll take a, good, a nice leap forward for us. He's a bona fide starter moving forward um, as he kinda continues to develop. And his body isn't fully developed either. So he's still growing in, in muscle mass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that that's going to be huge in his mental aspects. And you add another big time player like a Hutchinson or a Drake Jackson. Um like you said, Thibodeau, you know, probably not going to be in range for us. But yeah. if we got Hutchinson, man, oh, my God. Like, I'd be so I'd be so excited. Very.
0: <laughs> yeah, I liked Dojelari a lot coming out of uh, Georgia. I was really high on him, hoping that the Jets were to draft him. Uh, I was disappointed to see him go before we had a chance there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's obviously a position that maybe the Giants won't have to address too early in the draft. And, and like you said, they can focus on a guy like Lindbaum uh, early in the draft uh, on the offensive side. Yeah, I mean, I think what
2: we'll see is probably they'll draft an offensive tackle. Um, or probably, you know what, I'll probably say this. They'll draft, they're will draft, they going to draft an edge rusher with the first, with their highest pick. Then they're going to draft an offensive tackle. There's a couple of them, and they'll be in range for one of them mm-hmm. if they don't trade back. So they'll go edge rusher, offensive tackle, and then they'll draft a guard in the second or third round because they've got to replace Will Hernandez. And they're, gonna, they're probably just going to roll with Shane Lemieux, maybe spend a little bit of money and bring in somebody who can compete with him. Um, but they, you know, they they'll get Nick Gates back maybe um, at some point. I think he's he's that's a big question mark too, man. Like, you know, what do you do with center now if Nick Gates can't recover from this broken leg? He like six surgeries. Yeah, that was so, really you upsetting. So now you got a see. couple problems. You maybe roll with Billy Price. I mean, I don't trust him. I don't like a blind man playing
1: center. But <laughs> you know, <I'm> not. <laughs> no, definitely, not. I I agree with your uh, take to go lineman early there in the first. But uh, just to touch on real quick, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the safety from uh, Notre Dame, uh, Hamilton. Uh, I know the Giants are pretty loaded yeah. right now in secondary, but, I mean, you just had Peppers went down for the year. You're not, We're not really 100% sure what's going to happen with him uh, moving on in the future. Uh, would you be opposed to taking that kid who looks like he could be a playmaker?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you got Logan Ryan. you got Xavier McKinney who's looking really good lately. I, I don't think that um, going, big, going big in the first round on a safety would fill our needs the most. I think it would be a luxury pick if we had a right tackle. And we had an edge rusher. I'd say hell yeah, let's go get Kyle Hamilton. But ultimately, we just have too many pressing needs at really important positions um, to go with with a player like that. I think that's a pick that Jerry Reese would make, um, and we'd be like, damn, like we still have Nate Solder, and like <laughs> we'd be like, oh, <laughs> like you got to fill that right tackle spot with no money, or you got to spend a second round pick, and then you're still unsure. I mean, look, I'm still really salty that. That we miss out on Trey Smith. I'm like, what, Gary Brightwell is handing out waters, and Trey Smith is starting right guard for a Super Bowl caliber team. Yeah, and like, you know, yeah. it just, it, it doesn't make sense to
1: me. It, it doesn't. And, and when you look at Guttelman's drafts, there's there's a guy, a few guys that he's made nice picks on, and then you just look back at a few and just be like, how the hell did you take this pick? You know what I mean? So it's, it's just the life of being a Giants he's fan. He's a great first guess.
2: round. He's a great first-round drafter, but everything after the first round has been like just absolutely, I'm, I'm absolutely mouth to nothing. His third-round draft selections, I it's like a graveyard. I mean, yeah. Lorenzo Carter, Ocean Eximin is, BJ Hill's gone now. Like it's just a graveyard of players who didn't do anything or were traded or you know, it's just any any. Don't even get me started on Sam Beal. Like I was non-existent. <laughs> People forgot he was on the team.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and he didn't take any linemen in the draft, and uh, they asked him about the line. He said that they were going to be. They were all set ready to go for the season. Clearly, that's obviously not what we're seeing. <laughs> so Um,
2: that's what I'm saying. Like that should be a clear indication that he has no idea what's going on anymore. Like exactly. he literally came out and said, We have a little bit more faith in the offensive line than you guys do, and now we have the worst pass blocking you in football. So I think it's time to move on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. We'll see what uh the Giants decide to do in the off season. Um it's definitely gonna be interesting with all the moves they make, not only in the front office, but to the roster as well. Um, Alex. Thank you so much for coming on our show today. It was a pleasure having you. I look forward to maybe hopefully in the future we could have you on for a part two.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm more than happy to come and hang out. And if you guys want to talk about ESM or Giants, whatever, um, you know, when the off season comes around, I'll have a lot more time. So happy to come back on. Appreciate you guys having me.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Alex, for coming on. I just want to ask you before you go, are you planning on going to any, any uh, Giant games this season? I was looking into maybe going to the one on the uh, 28th against Philly.
2: I was thinking about it. Um, but I went to the Falcons game and I was really disappointed. Like really, I was so disappointed. Like I was, I was like, I'm never going to a game again until this team proves they can win.
1: Yeah. That'll do um, it. Honestly.
0: Um, yeah. I, 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 oh. I would say save your money boys. <laughs>
2: yeah. A, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to bet on the opposite team with that money. instead. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, right. It's a lot cheaper to watch from your couch.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'll be making money while you while everyone's watching the cold, watching them <laughs> lose. So <Right. laughs>
1: the thanks so much, Alex. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. Have a good
0: one. You too. Tom, that was a pleasure having on Alex. Uh, yeah, giving us good insight on not only the Giants, but kind of how he got to where he is now in the sports media industry. And obviously that's great advice for us who are college students now.
1: Yeah, no, that was a lot of fun. Uh I think he gave us a lot of good insight uh, for his uh, Empire Sports Media and also talking about the Giants and stuff like that. So that was a, that was a really cool opportunity.
0: Yeah, I mean, think about uh, how he said – Empire Sports Media was I believe he said he was a junior, as we are now, and it was for a class project and, and look at where he took it. It's really amazing. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe uh call it a call it a comeback. We'll we'll be big one day.
1: Yeah, that'd be nice.
0: Um other news in the NFL. Sadly today we saw an ex jet running back, I mean Zach Stacey. It just tells you you gotta wonder. Um the the incident that he had there, if if you don't know it, you you might have to search that up yourself. I don't want to talk about it too much, but it makes you wonder the sport of football, and if you know that gets in your head, and and all the the head injuries, if it really affects your mental, I mean, you you gotta wonder.
1: Yeah, no, that that video is really disturbing to watch, and uh, yeah, stuff like that is it should not be uh, tolerated. Yeah, it's tough. There's not there's not really much more to
0: say. But looking into tonight's game, Thursday night, we have the Patriots taking on the Falcons in Atlanta. Uh, Tom, I want to know your thoughts about that one. Can the Pats keep up their hot streak ever since Jimmy Cody said that they're winning the Super Bowl?
1: Yeah, no, this is uh, gonna be a good one tonight. Um, I think it's gonna be a lot closer than a lot of people think. Uh, we obviously know New England's coming off a huge win against Cleveland, uh, blowout uh, fashion, and uh, Falcons, kind of opposite, getting blown out by the Dallas Cowboys. So I think that's gonna be gonna have a pretty big emotional impact on the New England Patriots, and I think it's gonna be a tougher game on the road than a lot of people think. So I'm gonna take the the Pats here, but only by a few points. I say they win by like three, three or four points. Yeah, I think it's About gonna be
0: here. a close one because the Falcons. Um, Their defense is non-existent, but they do have a pretty good offense, and that kid Kyle Pitts uh, is coming on really strong now. It's going to be a good battle of tight ends. Obviously, um, we know New England Patriots, Hunter Henry has been going off this year. I mean, Johnnie Smith hasn't done much, but Hunter Henry has really been a strong presence for Mac Jones.
1: Yeah, he has, and uh, Mac Jones has just looked really good these last few weeks. I'm excited to see him tonight uh, against the Falcons defense, who is not very good, and uh, they're getting Damian Harris back tonight from the injury, Um, even though they really didn't miss him last week because Ramondre Stevenson ran uh, the ball 20 times for about 100 yards and I think he had a pair of TDs. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, Tonight I'm just going to look for Patriots to keep up the same game plan. They're going to run the ball, uh, try and and work the play action with Mac Jones, keep it simple, don't turn the ball over. Uh, Their defense is solid, and, and they'll be fine.
0: Yeah, I'm looking now at the injury report, and uh, Cordell Patterson um, is listed as a game-time decision. I mean, they really need him to play if they're going to win this game. This kid, Cordell Patterson, obviously uh, was very um, highly talked about coming out of the draft many years ago and pretty much made a career out of himself as a special teams player. And then all of a sudden this year, he's one of the better running backs in the league. Um, not only as a receiver, but as a runner as well. So if they if they want to win tonight, I think they really need him to play and be be healthy for this one.
1: Yeah, Cordero Patterson this year has been a real shock, I think, to a lot of people. Um, everyone thought he was kind of towards the back end of his career, but he's really having a nice season uh, for the Falcons, and he's been one of their top playmakers. So I agree. If if he's out tonight, it's gonna be real tough for them to to pull off an upset.
0: I agree. Um, I think that's just about it, Tom. Yeah. We'll save some uh, some college basketball for. Perhaps next week or after Thanksgiving. It's so early in the season. We were watching the game earlier today. St. Bonaventures uh, taking on Boise State. I was pretty impressed with how they're playing. I, I mean,
1: you know me, I love St. Bonnies. Um, they're probably my favorites to win the A10. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're a solid team, and they're, they built a strong program. A lot of uh, seniors returning uh, this season, and they're, they're top 25 in the country right now, so there's a lot of things to be happy about over there. I definitely think they'll win the a 10 get into the tournament, and hopefully they can uh, make some noise.
0: Yeah, well, we'll have to uh, see what happens, and we'll make sure to stay on top of that. But this wraps it up for this episode. I'm by McInnes alongside Tom Spallone and it was a pleasure. Thank you.